أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآله محمد وعجل فرجهم Alright, um, we have now reached the chapter that he calls uh, Irada Now there is a little footnote here that talks about how Irada is not actually um, in the original book, it's not one of the actual stages, but Ayatollah Jawadi believes it to be. And so he um, he brings it here as a separate stage of akhlaq. I do feel that the order of these could have been a little better. Once we get through irada and the next one, then slowly I think the order is good. But irada might, should have maybe come in all the way in the beginning. Um, uh, irada means, so the... the, the uh, equivalent of that irada usually is going to be something along the lines of volition, uh, free will or will, or aiming to do something and so on. So you'll get an idea of what is meant as we go through this. So he begins, he says, irada, which means to choose something, to pick something, to aim for something, to try to achieve something. It has three pillars. Number one, you have to have knowledge of your murad. Knowledge of the murad, murad means that which you are aiming for, that which you are after, okay? That which you're trying to achieve. You have to have knowledge of that thing, of your murad. And I'm going to use the actual terms, okay? Um, because I like the terms more here. I don't like the, I don't know if the equivalents do justice or not. So you have to have knowledge of that which you're pursuing and trying to achieve. If you don't have knowledge of what's out there, then... Um, it's not going to be enough for you to get up and do work to, to reach that destination and goal. Number one. Number two, in addition to it being to, to you having knowledge, you have to see that thing that you are pursuing and aiming for as a perfection of yours. A kamal, it says here. And finally, it's not, it's, it's not something, it shouldn't be something that you already have or else you won't have irada of that thing anymore. I think it's common sense. It's pretty clear. Um, you know, these pillars are pretty clear. You don't go after something you don't have knowledge of or is not a virtue and perfection for you and that you already have. Okay, very clear, very obvious. But regarding this uh, spiritual wayfaring, um, it's super important, although you know how I am and what I say, I'm always echoing what I've heard the great say, but of you know how it all comes down to us knowing the wajib and haram and acting upon those. But at the same time, you cannot undervalue knowledge and ilm. And so here, one of the pillars was having ilm of the murad, that which you are after. And so all of a sudden, things like, you know, like this book that we're covering right now, which from the beginning to the end, if I'm ever to draw a conclusion from all of it, and a recurring theme in all of it, it is the tawheed of Allah and Allah and Allah and Allah. That's all it's going to be really. Everything goes back to Allah. Um, if that is the recurring theme, then learning more about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the books like these is going to be super important. Studying the Qur'an, reflecting on the Qur'an, reminding ourselves of what's in the Qur'an, all of these, the environment that we're going to be in where we gain more knowledge of these things is going to be super important or else without a murad and knowledge of the murad, there will be no iradah. Okay? Murad comes from the same root as irada. Irada meaning, once again, aiming for something, trying to reach something. Yes, and making that your goal. 
Well, you can't have that without knowledge. So what gets you there, what's that going to be? It's going to be the proper actions. But in the end, you cannot discount how important knowledge itself is. Although the fuel of this vessel will be amal, ilm is going to be super important in all of this, or else you're not going to make the effort. Okay, so having said all of that, he moves into some deeper waters here now. He says that irada in the beginning, or when you're trying to reach your destination, when you're aiming for the destination, what is it? Irada is going to be uh, the grounds for reaching the destination. It will be what causes you and pushes you towards suluk and wayfaring. Okay, actual suluk. But he says, once we get to the final destination, what's going to happen? Well, the book he's basing his book on, which is Awsaful Ashraf of Nasiruddin At-Tusi, over there, Nasiruddin At-Tusi, he says, well, once you reach the de destination, irada is, is over. You don't have irada anymore. What are you aiming for to reach? You've reached it. So irada is gone. Ayatollah Jawadi begs to differ though. Ayatollah Jawadi, he says, no. When you reach the destination, irada is going to still be there because irada is a perfection. What do you mean you lose it once you reach, it, once you reach the destination? It is one of the fadail and fazail as they say. So what happens actually is that this virtue reaches its perfect form. Okay? It reaches its highest and most perfect form. And then all of a sudden, what happens is some very magical stuff, so to speak. You are no longer, this irada no, no longer is the mansha and origin of suluk and wayfaring and you moving in a certain direction. Now it becomes, he calls it mansha sudur not mansha suluk anymore. mansha sudur sudur sadir, these all mean when something is issued, when something comes out, when something comes into existence. Okay? Your, uh, your irada here all of a sudden transforms into not something that pushes you to move in a certain direction anymore so that you get to the destination. But rather, it will be the origin of and the reason of Things coming into existence now all of a sudden. It'll be cause of things, the cause of things happening, okay? So, for example, um, he says, uh, he has some literature here that he, he shares with us. Yeah, let me read what he says actually and translate a little bit first. He says, irada is of two types. One type of irada, it, it brings about suluk and wayfaring. Another irada, Sudur and creation, creating and things coming into effect. He says that when you are in the middle of the path, okay, that's what it is. You are, it's pushing you towards wayfaring, and then it reaches a point where you are the reason for things coming into existence. Give us an example of what you mean. What do you mean by this? He says, for example, on the day of judgment, in the hereafter, people in Jannah, when they want something, what do they do? They do irada of it. In Farsi, we have this word, irade. Okay? Irade, I don't know if you have it in Urdu or not. But irade, irade means to wish something, to aim for something, to want something. Okay? It says all they do is they want it. Over there, all you have to have is mashia. Mashia means to want something. 
When we say Masha Allah, Sha'a, the word Sha'a, the infinitive of it, the mustar of it is Mashia. Okay. So here it says, Lahumma Yasha'una fiha on in the day of judgment, on excuse me, in Jannah, they have whatever they wish. So a person will go through this verse and they'll say, Okay, I'm gonna wish something and you know, there's something that I want, and then you know they'll bring it for me. But if you want to be very accurate here, it, you, you, what you say is not that you wish and then it they bring it for you. You know, you tell the angel, hey angel, this is what I want, and then so they bring it for you. It's not the case, actually. You know, if you want to say it more accurately, what they wish is what they have. In other words, the moment you wish it, it's there. Now, what does that remind you of? It reminds me of this next verse. إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا أَيَّقُولَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ that when Allah wishes something, when Allah wants something to be, the fact that He does irada, إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا When He wants it, it, it is finished. Okay? That's what, we're, that's what it's all about. Look, after, uh, after death, okay, in Barzakh, in Yawmul Qiyamah, in Jannah, and all of that, everything is takwini. There's nothing tashri'i anymore. It's not that, oh, I desired something. My desiring something equals that thing being mine. We have to understand it's a, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no other way to communicate these things to us for lack of the terminology because it's another form of existence, another realm of existence. There the rules are different than here. Over there, like in the Barzakh, we've talked about this in our courses. In the Barzakh, when the angels come and ask you a question, okay, when they're questioning you, Marrabbuk, this is not a normal questioning. Right? It's not a tashri'i questioning or let's uncover what the truth is. No. When they ask you, Ma Rabbuk, what's actually happening is they are bringing out who your Lord was within you. They're like opening up your heart, like, let's see, let's, uh, let's bring out whatever he has in his heart. Something's actually happening. You're actually turning into something. Why is it that they say uh, in this world, some of the greats, they can see the barzakhi side of people? What is meant by that? And they'll, they, they don't like what they see sometimes is that, that you're a human being here, but they see an animal, for example, from with their barzakhi vision, although they never use that. But anyway, what, what's going on? Well, the barzakh is a different story. You're going to turn into that there. Taqweenan, you're going to turn into that there. Okay? So, if everything that's happening there is taqweeni, even your irada and wanting something is going to be taqweeni. When Allah says, when He wants something to be, and it is, when He says, kun fayakun, can that thing say, oh no, I'm not feeling it right now, uh, give me like two hours, then I shall be? No. Over there, His irada equals that thing being created, right? So over there, even for us, the irada that we had here was the source of our movement. But over there, it's going to be the source of creation itself. Okay? I want something, it's there. Boom. So I'm going to share with you some hadiths here, which are interesting, and today's session is going to be a little shorter as well, okay? So uh, let's see what we have. In one of these hadith Qudsis, it says, Yabna Adam, that Allah says to mankind, O son of Adam, O children of Adam, Ana ghaniyun la aftaqir, amartuka aj'alka ghaniyan la taftaqir. I am ghani, alright? I am... Um, I am not needy at all, and I am la aftaqir, and I am in no need of anyone else. Ghaniyun means I am wealthy, I am all sustaining for myself, and so I don't need anyone else. La aftaqir, I am not faqir of anybody. 
I'm not in need of anybody. You're on this earth right now. You're in this world, this dunya. Obey me in what I command you. What's going to happen? I will also make you ghani. La taftakir. A person who uh, is self-sustaining, all-sustaining, and in, in no need of anyone else. Number one. But that's not relevant to what we're talking about right now. Then it goes on. It says, Ya ibn Adam, ana hayyun la amut. I'm also the all living, I never die. Obey me in what I command you. You I'll make you Hayyan La Tamut as well. Okay? These are the things that we're always after, right? In this life we're trying to secure it. Of course it's not gonna happen, but we can secure it elsewhere. This life is is gonna perish for sure. But we can secure it elsewhere. Alright. And then this is the part that's relevant to what we're talking about here. It says, Yabna Adam. This, this is like heavy stuff here, okay? You can guess what he says, right? I say to something, be, and it is. Obey me in what I command you. I will make you such that you will say to something, whatever it is, be, and it is. Your irada there. Yes, it's going to be like the irada of God. Wow. But you don't have it independently. Allah's giving it to you, right? Or another hadith. You see that word is coming back again. That Allah has some servants that will obey Him in what He wants, what He has irada of. This irada of Allah in this life is a tashri'i one. It's the do's and don'ts. We can listen, we can not listen. But if we secure the irada tashri'iyya of Allah by listening to Him, what will He give us in return? And the barzakh yamul qiyamah onwards, He will give us His irada takwiniya. That when He wants something, it is. Alright, so it says, He has some servants who will follow Him when He wants something. فَأَطَاعَهُمْ fima aradu, And so He will obey them in what they wish. They will also say kun to certain things and they will be. Is it going to happen here? It's not going to happen here. Where does it happen? It happens on the other side. But yeah, some even <coughs> will believe that it is even possible in this life. It requires a certain level of purity. But for our imams, the mainstream view is that they do have this wilaya, taqwiniyah. Where if they need something to happen necessarily, they can, although they usually won't be using that. But Allah has given them that power, has given them that authority to be able to make things and intervene in things even in this life. And of course, some people don't like the Shia for this belief. Okay, <laughs> Some people don't like that. And as I said, it's a mainstream belief right now. But it's not like it's something unanimously accepted. There are some differences of opinion here as well. But all in all, the majority, that's what they believe based on their reasons. Or, or for example, it says, Tuba shajaratun fil jannah. This hadith is by Imam Ali. Tuba is the name of a tree in Jannah. Um, and asluha fi dari Rasulullah. The trunk of this tree, where is it? In the home of Rasulullah And there is not a mu'min except that a branch of that extends into their home in Jannah. So the believers are actually kind of benefiting from that tree of Rasulullah Okay. 
لا ينوي this mu'min that's in their own home in Jannah لا ينوي في قلبه شيئا إلا أتاه ذلك الغصن به this person does not wish anything when they're in their own home in Jannah except that that branch brings it for them which I would say is symbolic of what? كن فيكون of having that authority uh, yeah so anyway he goes very deep here into that and he says that yes there is that difference that sometimes you're in the middle of the uh, on, you're on the way to the destination sometimes you've reached it in both the irada is there but in one of them it has reached its ultimate perfection and so that's not, it's never going to perish unlike what Nasiruddin Tusi says in his book okay so that's that now let's come back down to earth he um, speaks about something that we've heard again and again but you know the rep repetition of this is uh, I think is important to always remind ourselves of this. He says, look, there are different levels of irada. Some people, what are they aiming for? What they're aiming for is the normal blessings. There's nothing wrong with that. And so they have a will. They have an irada. And what are they pointing it at? The blessings, those divine blessings of this world. There are some who have irada. This is the second level now who have irada, but they are willing to not will anything. And they say, whatever Allah gives me. Okay? So do they will, are they willing something? They still have irada. Okay? And so this is where that say, saying comes into the picture, istighna'uka anishay khayron min istighna'ika bihi. The fact that you are not in need anymore. Um... Is of something at all is better than fulfilling your need through that thing. So sometimes you're just like, I just need this car. And once you have the car, you've fulfilled that need that you have within you. That's good, he says. But this saying says, but what's better is to be free of any need to begin with. Okay? And that's what Awliyaullah have accomplished, of course. So here that's what it's saying. The second level of irada is what? The second level of irada is that I have irada of um, nothing. I don't wish anything. Whatever Allah might want. But look, this is important here. I still am willing something for myself. That Which brings us to the third one now. He says the third one is that no, you don't even have an irada to begin with for yourself. And this is not for a person like me. This is for uh, those who have gone a long way and have reached very are very close to Allah that no 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 how dare I wish and and will that I don't will anything because in this sentence what was there the word I how dare I even bring myself into the picture and so this is where there are some who are totally dissolved their will is totally dissolved in Allah's will it's a big difference here between the two for us, in the end, it's the same. Practically, what are you getting? In both, you're saying it's whatever Allah wants. But in one, you're saying, I desire or I am aiming for that which Allah wants for me. In another one, it says, I don't even have a desire to begin with. I don't have a will to begin with. So it's kind of like you don't want to not want. Right? In the previous one, you wanted to not want. Here though, you don't want to not want. Okay? So yeah, it's something else. Um, and we've heard this again and again, of course. Yeah. 
Let me see if I can find what he says. Yeah. All right. So now, with that, we move on to, he goes a little bit on a tangent here. And the reason why he brings this discussion into this chapter is just because there are some verses that use the word irada in them. Okay? But it's not as relevant either. But not totally irrelevant. What is he talking about here? Once again, something that is kind of, we've heard a little bit about it before. He says when we look in the Qur'an, what do we find? We find that the Qur'an uses the term irada and it says that there are some who have irada of dunya, some who have irada of akhirah. So it's a dual thing here. Okay? And put, it puts these two opposite to each other. And he has verses for that. So for example, the verse says, مِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الدُّنْيَا وَمِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ There are some of you who want the dunya, there are some of you who want the akhirah. That's uh, Surah Al-Imran, verse 152. Or, مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ حَرْثَ الْآخِرَةِ نَزِدْ لَهُ فِي حَرْثِهِ وَمَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ حَرْثَ الدُّنْيَا نُؤْتِهِ مِنْهَا Surah Shura, verse 20. That whoever wants... Um, Yes, wants to, to harvest in the Akhirah, then we will add to their harvest. Uh, if, I'm tr if I'm translating it correctly, harf, uh, I'm not sure if that's the word used for it. But anyway, you get the point. Whoever wants the Akhirah, we'll give from the Akhirah to them. And whoever wants of dunya, we'll give of dunya to them. So you see it, it's like it's a dualist thing here that we have. This or that. But then he says, but we have that famous hadith by Imam Ali that says, no, people are of three types, not two. We all know this, right? The ones who are obedient to God, who want uh, to save themselves from the fire, the ones who are after the blessings, these are the merchants, those first ones were the slaves. The second batch are the merchants and the, those who want to do trade with Allah. Then the third ones are the free ones, the lovers, the ones who do it out of this understanding that Allah deserves it and out of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so... We have three here, but the Qur'an only says two. He says, let me fix this for you. I can reconcile them. Okay? And the reason why I'm discussing all of this is because of the word irada being repeated in all of these. Okay. How do you fix it? Oh, Ayatollah Jawadi Amuli. He says, I fix it like this. What I will say is that we have a th another verse in the Qur'an that talks about how there are some who have irada of wajhullah. In other words, they're aiming for Allah himself, for the face of Allah here it says. And so as a result, whoever else that is not aiming for the face of Allah, what does the Quran put label on them as? As those who are after dunya. Wow. So if I'm not after the face of Allah, the satisfaction of Allah, here face of course is symbolic of like the essence of Allah, correct? The that of Allah. If I'm not aiming for the face of Allah, which category according to that verse do I fall under? Those who are after dunya and zina til hayatid dunya. He says that and then he draws a conclusion. So let me tell you which verse this is. This is verse number 28 of Surah Al-Kahf. It says, Wasbir nafsaka ma'alladina. O Prophet, have patience with who? With those who, and be with those who, يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِي The ones who are remembering their Lord, calling their Lord morning and evening. 
while yuriduna wajha. While they are actually, they, what, what is the point of all of this? What are they aiming for when they're calling their Lord? They want the Lord Himself. Don't turn away from these ones. If you turn away from these people, and what's so special about these people? That they have irada of wajhullah. If you turn away from them, and what makes them special is irada of wajhullah, so it's as if you are turning away from irada of wajhullah. Turning away from irada of wajhullah equals having irada of what? Zinat al-hayatid dunya. Now, so here he says, although in the other verses it had said either you want dunya or you want akhirah, here it says either you want Allah or you want dunya. So how do we bring these together? We bring them together by what this verse is telling us is that, look, it gets a little subjective here. It becomes a little relative here. How? Well, and I'm going to read if I can find it. Yeah, he says, in this verse, being after the dunya has been placed opposite to wanting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thereafter, wajhullah. And so just like how the Ahl al-Bayt say, that we feed you only for the face of Allah, for the sake of Allah. Here also, yeah, these people, although they are after the blessings of Jannah, or they are after saving themselves from the fire, these good people, but in a sense and relative to those who are after wajhullah, even these people are considered pursuing what? Zinatul Hayatid Dunya. Once again, let me explain. Okay. That you can be after dunya or akhirah, according to verses of the Quran that said it's a dualistic approach we have. We have a dualistic perspective here. You're either after dunya or akhirah. Dunya, meaning whatever it has to do with here, akhirah, anything that has to do with the afterlife. Even if you're after saving yourself from hellfire, even if you're after saving yourself from or getting into Jannah and getting the blessings of Jannah, still you are one of those who has irada of Akhirah. Very good, well done. But just letting you know, if you are one of those who is after Akhirah and has irada of Akhirah, aiming for Akhirah, there are two, there's a two categories even there. If you are after Wajhullah, you are of those who are after Akhirah really. Okay? But if you are one of those who is after the blessings of Akhirah or trying to save yourself from the fire of Akhirah, yes, you are really a person of the Akhirah, but, the dun but a dunyavi side of Akhirah, so to speak. So to speak. So it's not that pure form that you're supposed to reach. Your irada still is problematic. There's still work to do. As I said, this is something that is recurring in this book. As you noted, we, we had probably had it when we were discussing niyyat, and intention, and maybe discussing other things as well. But he repeats it here as well because of that yuriduna that's in the verses. Okay. So it becomes very relative. Relative to Ahlul Dunya, you are Ahlul Akhirah. But relative to those who are after Wajhullah, you are what? Ahlul Zinatil Hayatid Dunya. That's what he says. And I'm going to end with this little bonus point he gives us. He says, Look, real spiritual wayfarers. What are they after? Who are they? They are the ones who are after, according to this last verse that we had, the ones who are doing irada of wajhullah, it says, why are they going after wajhullah? This is a quality of those who 
are after Wajhullah is that they are after that which never ends, never perishes, never ceases to exist. What is the only thing that will never cease to exist? كُلُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانَ The Qur'an says وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ Surah Rahman verse 26-27 The Qur'an very explicitly says everything on it, on earth will perish, will cease to exist وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ So a salik, a spiritual wayfarer is who? Is the one who is going to separate themselves from the fani, the one that is going to cease to exist and wants to cling on to the baqi okay and become one with them the baqi meaning the one that will that persists the one that will never end and will never cease to exist but as these orafat say and they know what they're talking about i don't know what they're talking about i'm just going to uh, quote them to separate from the fani and cling on to the baqi you have to become fani in the baqi. You have to dissolve in the baqi, the everlasting one. But why? Because as long as it's you and Allah and you're quote-unquote clinging on, or is there two things or one thing here? There's two things. We said everything other than Allah will perish. So just clinging on isn't even the right word to use. And so they say you have to actually become one with Him. Well, how do I become one with Him? Don't worry about that part. The Qur'an didn't say do that. All the Qur'an said was what? Be a servant of Allah, an abd of Allah. If you dissolve your will in Allah's will to the point where you do whatever He wants you to do, He'll make sure that you are fani into Him. and You dissolve into Him, whatever that means. Whatever that day comes, inshallah. If it doesn't happen here, inshallah, it happens in the barzakh. If it doesn't happen in the barzakh, it happens yamul qiyamah. But we do know the secret ingredient for that, however it's going to happen and whatever it means to become fani in the baqi, all we know is it starts with my will becoming one with his will through my actions and listening to whatever he tells me I have to do. All the good stuff comes out of that. The Quran says, I want you to be my servants. That's all. Well, what's that going to do for me? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I know best. I know best what's best for you. And so just listen to me. That's all. Don't worry about it. I'm waiting to see the angels. Don't worry about it. You'll see them later. Don't, the least is that you'll see them when they come to take your soul. <laughs> right? Don't rush for it. It'll come. Yeah. So yeah, that's the best. And I think that's part of the test. That he tells us what we need to do. And he won't tell us how he's going to use that to elevate us. Yeah. That itself is the whole journey actually. To understand that this is what gets me there. But it is Allah who gets me there through this means. And how he does it, that's up to him. Inshallah. Any questions before we end? Yes. Sudur, sudur um, is a term that sometimes is used in philosophy. For example, they say asadirul awwal, the first creation of God. Okay, it's used to just denote creation and something being created. So um, here, when he says it's the mansha of sudur, yeah, that it is the cause of things coming into existence what he means by that is that kun fayakun power that we have that Allah gives us in yamul qiyamah that as a result of me willing something it comes into existence sudur means coming into existence here that that in that context in this context yeah just like how Allah says kun fayakun i can also have kun fayakun why does this kun fayakun happen because it is the subject of my irada 
Yeah. So this irada is the origin of kun fayakun and things coming into existence. Yeah. So the whole jannah as if is going to be the result of my irada. Yes. Yeah. And then I said um, sometimes some will have that even here. Yeah. Whoever has that wilaya takwiniya irada takwiniya here. For example, Prophet Suleiman, they say, had some of that. The winds were at his disposal. Other things were at his disposal. He subjugated the jinn and so on and so forth. Yeah, sometimes awliyaullah will have it then uh, to the amount that they would like to use and to the amount that Allah gives permission. Even pro non-prophets non might have some of that, you know, some of that as well. Even our awliya, some of the great urafats might have had it. The thing is, they don't they don't want to use it. They don't care about these things. That's that's. That's the most important. But why intervene when there is a system in place? Yeah. And the reason why a person like me won't have it is because once I get it, I'm going to be taking selfies with that thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why I'll never have it. <laughs> All right. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Salawat. Allahumma salam.